Well, we're starting a new series today. I'm pretty pumped about it. It's called Angels and Demons. Uh, and so today, does that sound good? Does that sound good? Uh, today we're going to be talking about demons. How you know when there's a demon messing with you or not. And next Sunday, uh, we're going to talk about how you know when an angel is helping you. And so we're going to unpack those two thoughts uh, today. Um, and so I, I want to say this and just jump right into it. In 1 Peter 5, 8, Peter says this, Stay alert and watch out for our great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion seeking who he may devour. He says, watch out. Say that with me on three. One, two, three. Everybody this time. One, two, three. Look at the person next to you and say, watch out. Watch out. He's saying, watch out. He's constantly looking. He's, he's, have you ever seen a coon dog with those big droopy ears? <laughs> Just sniffing around. He's constantly looking for someone to devour. Now, I find it interesting that it's Peter that's saying this. Because it was Peter that was standing, having the last supper with Jesus. And he looks at Jesus right after Jesus gets done saying, look, I am going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again on the third day. And Peter jumps back and says, no, heaven, this is his exact words, heaven forbid that happen for you. I want, heaven forbid means to stop. Heaven, I pray that heaven stops that from happening to you. Now this is somebody who is a Christian. Jesus has already breathed on him to receive the Holy Spirit. He is fully committed. He is a disciple. We're not talking about Judas here. We're talking about Peter. And Jesus looks back at Peter and says, Satan, get behind So Satan is speaking through a believer who's received the Holy Spirit, who's passionate about God. What do we do with that? We, we, we do this. We make sure that we don't fall into one of the two extremes when it comes to the devil. One extreme is, is that the devil's not involved in anything. The other extreme is, is that he's involved in everything. Have you ever met somebody that he's involved in everything? It's like they get a red light and they're like, Satan, get behind me. It's like, what? Are you serious? A train comes and they have to sit there and wait for the train to go, Satan, get behind me. It's like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? It, it's so, it's so with these one or two extremes. But the balanced and the truthful thinking is that watch out because he's looking for you. He's constantly looking for you. He's constantly, and he will move in a way that you don't even realize he's moving. Now, I, I read a book years ago. I mean, I think I was 14 when my dad gave me this book. I think I read like 25 pages. And then two years later, I read another 25 pages. <laughs> Two years later, I never got through the book because it's like this thick. It's a novel written by Frank Peretti called This Present Darkness. Has anyone ever read it? Yes, look at those hands. 
It is a phenomenal read. I have read it several, several times. I still haven't gotten through it. Um, but I, uh, I, I have a max on books. If it's over 225, then I, I, can't get, I can't read it. I get overwhelmed. But God gave us a few things. He givo us coffee, TiVo, and audiobooks. And so I got the audiobook. Now, here's the thing. This book is such a phenomenal read. If you love to read, you've got to get it. It's Frank Peretti. There's some people that have, a, uh, that have been anointed to speak, anointed with hospitality, anointed to give, anointed with gifts. This guy has an anointed imagination. And I believe that God has shown him what demons look like, what angels look like. And he has the ability to put it into words and put it on paper. Have you ever been frustrated that you can't express yourself? You're like trying to find the words and you can't seem to find the words. This guy has a gift to describe exactly what he's looking at. It's frustrated to describe what you're looking at. Like, for example, um, try to describe out loud, talk to me. Um, and I'm not going to be able to hear you, but just talk to me anyway. And you don't have to talk loud, but talk to me anyway. It's just loud enough for you to hear yourself. Describe to me what fireworks looks like. One, two, three, go. <laughs> Someone went boom. <laughs> there you go. Talk to me. What does fireworks look like? It's a little frustrating, right? Fire in the sky with colors, right? Uh, it's very frustrating to describe something um, like that. But he has a gift to be able to describe exactly uh, what the Lord is showing him. And so um, I have a, a clip of the audiobook, and he is describing not only what a demon looks like, but how a demon crawls onto a person to influence them. Now, in this book, uh, the main character, you're going to hear about him, the main character is a guy by the name of um, uh, Hogan, um, what's his name? Ooh, you're good. Hogan Marshall, and he's got a daughter. And, um, and Hogan is, uh, him and his daughter had a major fallout, okay? Um, and so I'm only going to play four minutes, and so I'm giving you the background. They had a huge fight, huge fallout, and their, their relationship is estranged. And so he went to the university that she attends, and he's looking for her. Um, and he's going to try to find her to be able to patch the relationship back together again. But the enemy is involved in every relationship you have. Are you with me? He's involved in every relationship you have. He's either there to kill it, destroy it, or steal it. Every relationship. Everybody say every relationship. Every. Say it real loud. One, two, three. Every relationship you have, he is trying to kill it, steal it, and destroy it. He doesn't stop there. He's after your health. He's after your finances. But in this particular example, we're just talking about your relationships. But I want you to take a listen to how the enemy um, attacked this particular character in this book. Go ahead. Could anyone have seen him? The initial impression would not have been so much his reptilian warted appearance as the way his figure seemed to absorb light and not return it. As if he were more a shadow than an object, 
a strange animated hole in space. But this little spirit was invisible to the eyes of men, unseen and immaterial, drifting over the town, banking one way and then the other, guided by will and not wind, his swirling wings quivering in a grayish blur as they propelled him. He was like a high-strung little gargoyle, his hide a slimy bottomless black, his body thin and spider-like, half humanoid, half animal, totally demon. Two huge yellow cat eyes bulged out of his face, darting to and fro, peering, searching. His breath came in short, sulfurous gasps, visible as glowing yellow vapor. He was carefully watching and following his charge, the driver of a brown Buick moving through the streets of Ashton far below. Unseen by Marshall, small wisps of sulfurous breath crept along the floor like slow water, along with an unheard scraping and scratching over the tiles. Like a slimy black leech, the little demon clung to him, its taloned fingers entwining Marshall's legs like parasitic tendrils, holding him back, poisoning his spirit. The yellow eyes bulged out of the gnarled face, watching him, boring into him. Marshall was feeling a deep and growing pain, and the little spirit knew it. This man was getting hard to hold down. As Marshall stood there in the big empty hall, the hurt, the love, the desperation began to build inside him. He could feel the tiniest remaining ember of fight still burning. He started for the door. Move, Hogan, move. That's your daughter. With each determined step, the demon was dragged along the floor behind him, its hands still clinging to him, a deep rising in its eyes and the sulfurous vapors chugging out of its nostrils. The wings spread in search of an anchor, any way to hold Marshall back, but they found none. Sandy, Marshall thought, give your old man a break. By the time he reached the end of the hall, he was nearly into a run. His big hands hit the crash bar in the door and the door flung open, slamming into the doorstop on the outside steps. He ran down the stairs and out onto the pedestrian walkway shaded by the elms. He looked up the street, across the lawn in front of Stuart Hall, down the other way, but she was gone. The demon gripped him tighter and began to climb and slither upward. Marshall felt the first pangs of despair as he stood there alone. I'm over here, Daddy. Immediately, the demon lost its grip and fell free, snorting with indignation. Crumbling away from him in pitiful pieces. As he watched, Sandy disappeared around a distant corner without looking back, and something broke inside him. His soul felt like it would melt. And at this moment, there was no person on the face of the earth he hated more than himself. The strength of his legs seemed to surrender under the load of his sorrow, and he sank to the steps in front of the old building, despondent. The demon's talons surrounded his heart, and he muttered in a quivering voice, So, obviously, um... I want to highly recommend it. Um, if the devil does not have permission to touch your physical body, but he's still going to attack you, how is he going to do it? 
Now talk back to me. I'm not going to hear you, but talk back to me anyway. How is he going to attack you if he's not going to touch your physical body? Do you see, when you, when, when you start to feel and you start to feel something pulling you down, that is coming from somewhere below. When you're feeling up, it's coming from somewhere above. When the enemy attacks you and he has not received permission to inflict you physically, he's going to inflict your mind and your spirit so when you begin to feel your spirit get pulled down when you begin to feel depressed did you hear the character say there was nobody that he hated more than himself where is that coming from where is that coming from like this is what peter meant when he said watch out this, where do you think this is coming from? See, we can't fall into that ditch that it's just like, I'm having a bad day. You may be having a bad day, but it's far worse than what you think. <laughs> there is literally demons that grab onto our legs, that grab onto our back, that sink their talons into our hearts and cause despair, cause discouragement, cause a lack of hope. A great example of a lack of hope, I believe this is for somebody in the room because it just came to my mind and I feel like it's the Lord. When you have a lack of hope, you don't see anything getting better in the future. I believe there's somebody here and that you're just sitting here and you're just saying, that describes my marriage. I don't see it ever getting better. See, when there is no hope, in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says he will give you a future and a hope. When he gives you a hope, you have an anticipation for the future. I know something good is coming. I can't tell what it is, but it's something good. That comes from God. Yes. He says, I'll give you a future and a hope. I'm going to give you a hope. When you don't have hope, it's the opposite. Nothing good is coming. Nothing good is happening. Nothing good will ever happen. That comes from below. If a demon can jump onto Peter, if a demon can jump onto Paul, who wrote more than half of the New Testament, he said that a spirit was sent to buffet me. Buffet means to punch in the ears. It wasn't physically punched in the ears. He was hearing thoughts. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. He was hearing thoughts. He was thinking thoughts that was... That was, the Bible says, tormenting him. When you are feeling tormented, when you can't get out of the funk, thank you, that, that, that is the enemy. That is the enemy. This also came to my mind just now, and it, it wasn't in the first service, so this is for somebody in the room. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. It says that are not angels ministering spirits sent to minister to the heirs of salvation? And so when an angel comes, and I'm not going to talk about angels right now because I'm going to talk about that next week. And I'm going to let you guys hear them describe angels. Unreal. <laughs> he's going he's to show it. Wait, 
you got to pray for those ministering angels to show up to people you love. To show up to them and bless them. To bless them. To put their hands on them and bless them. You, you got to pray for that. Because they'll come up to them and just lay their hand on them. You know, I pray for that for you guys in the morning, on Sunday mornings. I, I pray for it all the week long. But I'll say, God, you have angels that are ministering spirits sent to the heirs of salvation. I don't know where the people in the church are. I don't know where they work. I don't know if they're in their car right now. I don't know if they're at home right now. But send angels to them right now and begin to minister to them. Begin to lay your hands on them. Begin to minister to them. This is the effect that angels and demons have. If you feel pulled down, it's coming from the enemy. Now, somebody in this room may say, I'm full of the Spirit. I live for God. I'm passionate about the things of God. There ain't no devil in hell that can stop me. That's true. Ain't no devil in hell that can stop you. And no weapon formed against you will prosper, but it will be formed against you. It won't prosper, but it will be formed. It's like saying, you'll never get knocked out. Yeah, but you'll get punched. <laughs> Are you with me? Say yes. Yeah. Let me just share a thought with you. This is the, the second point of, of my, my message. Um, let me give you the first three real quick. The first thing I want to say is the greatest trick the enemy has ever pulled is to convince the world that he doesn't exist. He doesn't exist. He's not real. The second point I had for you is... Your faith doesn't exempt you from a demonic attack. It actually makes you a target. So if you are on fire for God, just know <laughs> there's like a bunch of red dots all over your chest. You're a target. You're a target. If you love God, say yes. If you said yes, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Number three. The battlefield you'll fight the devil most on is your mind and your spirit. The battlefield that you will fight the devil most on is your mind and your spirit. What you think and how you feel. What you think and how you feel. It's good to see you, Valerie. What you think and how you feel. When you are feeling pulled down, all you want to do is eat bluebell ice cream and hide under the covers. Do you think that's the Lord? The bluebell part might be God, because we all know God made bluebell. Praise the Lord for that. It, it, it's, it, this is how he operates. When you look at somebody and you don't like them, where's that coming from? Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the enemy is the father of lies who stands before the throne of God. What's the word I'm looking for? Help me, somebody. Accusing, thank you. Accusing the brethren. Do you know what an accusation is? An accusation is when you talk about how a person did not meet the mark. And so when you look at a person that's not meeting the mark and you're talking bad about it, you're getting angry about it, who do you think's telling you those words? The father of lies. The accuser of the brethren. When you feel anger, when you feel anxiety, when you feel those things, you say, come on, Frankie, are you over-spiritualizing? You tell me. 
You've lived a lot of life. You're not nine years old anymore. You're not seven years old anymore. You're a grown adult. You tell me. Do you think you're just having a bad day all the time? Come on, let's be real. Let's call it exactly what it is. Those talents have sinked into your heart. But this is what I, I want to say. When you, whatever you focus on becomes greater. You focus on a problem, it will stress you out during the day. You keep focusing it on, you won't sleep at night. Whatever you focus on, you empower. Whatever you focus on, you empower. When you're feeling down, when you're feeling distraught, if you begin to say the simplest praise, you're awesome, I love you, 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 even if it's the same thing over and over, you're awesome, I love you, I love you, God, I love you, I love you. Some people don't, are, because they don't wax eloquent and they haven't memorized 78 psalms, they don't pray at all. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That means, it doesn't mean the effectual eloquent man. No. Please take a ticket and go to the end of the line. No. <laughs> Fervency. You can quote the whole 23rd Psalm or you can say, Dear God, I love you. And you will feel every demonic force begin to let go. Now, if you can take the 23rd Psalm and quote it with passion, now you've got an atomic bomb. This is why when we take scriptures like Psalms 103, verse 3, we put passion into it, where it says that the Lord has forgiven me of all my sins and He heals all my diseases. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You heal my diseases. And that's what I love about celebration. I love and I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful for what he's doing. Because we've been praying for a while for healings and miracles to take place. Because here's the thing. I had a pastor tell me this recently. He said, Frankie. He said, um, actually, he didn't say Frankie. He was speaking and I was on the second row. Uh, I'm getting my stories all mixed up because it just happened this week and, and I was talking with other pastors in another room and I'm getting my conversations mixed up. But he said this, he goes, American churches would never survive in Ukraine. Never survive. He says, because the people in Ukraine are under such incredible bondage and despair that if they showed up to a, these seeker-sensitive churches that give them three awesome songs and the preacher gets up there and makes them laugh and then makes them feel good, that's not enough for them. Because they walk out and they're still in despair. They still have problems and they still need a miracle. He goes, these American churches would never, never make it in Ukraine. They pop up everywhere in the United States because they'd never, they'd never make it in Ukraine. In Ukraine, people show up, they're desperate, and they need a miracle. And they need to see the power of God. They need to see the power of God. Not a preacher, not laugh at jokes. They need to see the power of God. They need to experience the power of God. And this is what's been bugging me for years. Because I'm saying, God, people are showing up to Celebration Church and they don't want to hear jokes either. 
They got problems that they need you to fix. They have dreams that they want to see happen. There's nothing more frustrating. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you have a vision and you have a hope and you have a dream and it doesn't happen, it makes you sick. Are you with me? Say yes. And I would tell the Lord all the time, people come and they have hopes and they have dreams. They're sick because it hasn't happened. We need miracles. See, there's either the name of Jesus has power or it doesn't. But let's not say that it does and then not see it. And now you're saying, Frankie, you got your you got your neck out there right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is not the safe path, my friends, because if God doesn't move, then what do I look like? I look like a moron. But I'm not going to show up to heaven and be one of those guys that said, I, I didn't want to make room for you because I was afraid you wouldn't move. And then I would look stupid in front of people. We have to give him an opportunity to move, an opportunity to touch people. An opportunity. Because he loves you. He, he wants a moment with you. And I can't take all the time on a Sunday morning jabberjawing. And squeeze him out and not give him any room. He wants to touch you. And he's touching people every single week. Uh, I'd like for uh, Stephanie to come on up here because the Lord touched her in a real special way um, a couple weeks ago. And I'd, I'd like for her to, to share her story. Uh, Stephanie, tell everybody uh, your story. Hi, good morning. I was at the Good Friday service and watching the video that Pastor Frankie's team put together, um, just really in awe of all of the miraculous healings that have happened here at Celebration. You're watching the healing of Micah Gamboa, uh, watching all the healings that happened in Brazil. I mean, major health issues that that Jesus has has healed, and you you can't deny once once you watch those videos and hear those testimonies, it, it, it's hard to deny. Um, was really overcome while I was watching that. And at the same time, I'm getting in my head thinking, okay, well, you know, there's nothing really wrong with you. There's nothing extraordinary that, that Jesus can come heal, heal you for. Um, any reason of, of doubt that I had in my mind to why I shouldn't be healed came through. So I, I'm a new Christian. I was just baptized last month. I'm not perfect for this. Now, tell me in the Bible where Jesus healed someone perfect, okay? Um, so as, as I'm thinking these things, I just kind of quieted those, those thoughts from the earth and just really got, got into the message that was in front of me. All of a sudden, I feel a throbbing pain in my right knee. I've never had any knee issues before. Um, feel it travel right up my leg into my sciatic nerve, which had been bothering me for probably about the past six months. Nothing debilitating. It's just annoying more than anything. And I felt this fire just this heat that I've never felt before right in my core and it was just the the feeling of healing that that I had been wanting and that I had been been praying for so again no, nothing extraordinary in terms of of being healed from something that was really bothering me it was just it was irritating common everyday kind of thing so I shared with Pastor Frankie and the celebration team and uh, was honored to be able to come up here and speak with y'all today when I found out how many people had been healed that weekend and how many people are healed here at Celebration, I was 
almost confused as to why I was asked to, to share my testimony. Not everybody is asked to, to come up here who gets healed. And um, asked God to just to reveal to me why why me? Why, why was I chosen to, to share something that's so seemingly ordinary? And uh, he revealed to me that, that that is the power of my testimony, that it is so relatable, it's so ordinary, and it's, it might be the, the healing testimony that, that reaches y'all more than, than anything else because it, it is so common. We can all feel this. We can all have this kind of testimony. Just don't let those thoughts and feelings of the world telling you that your problems aren't significant. They're not a big deal. It, if it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to God. And the, the world might not tell you that it is, but between you and God, it absolutely is. So every one of you has the power for a testimony. That is so Thank good. You. That is so good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want to give him an opportunity to move um, right now. Um, and I want to say uh, to you, Stephanie, that when somebody gets healed, their faith is up because they experience the healing. And they're able to ignite healing in others when they pray for them. They're able to walk in that in a way that they weren't able to before. And I want to say to you in this room that if you have been healed, to look for people to pray for because your faith is higher than it's ever been before. So look for people to pray for. And if they don't get healed the first time you pray for them, pray again. Tell them straight up, hey, I might pray for you a couple times. I usually don't pray for people more than three because it starts getting awkward at that moment. But I usually don't pray more than three times. But you pray for them real short, and then you pray for them again. And then you pray for him again. You say, is that biblical? Absolutely. Jesus prayed for a guy that was blind. He goes, can you see? He's like, well, kind of. People look like trees. He prayed for him again. And then he could see perfectly. If Jesus had to pray twice, let's just say three times for you and I. Does that sound fair? Um, sometimes it'll happen on the first time. But don't be afraid to pray a second time or a third time. These are the things that you'll learn in Brazil, by the way. If you, haven't, if you want to come with me to Brazil in December... You need to sign up before June the 30th. Go to our website and, and sign up. You will get the crash course of your life. You'll pray for more people in those seven days than you ever have. More people will get healed than you've ever seen in your life when you pray for them. Not when I pray for them, when you pray for them. And it will change your life. You'll come home and you will, you will um, what's, it, what's it, you'll troll people to heal them. Um, you, you will just follow people, looking for people to pray for. Uh, it'll change your entire life. You can go to the website to find out more information. But as of right now, the presence of God has been in this room all morning long. Can you sense that?